I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to John. John chapter 7, we'll begin at verse 10. John chapter 7, beginning at verse 10, where John writes, But after his brothers had gone to the festival, then he also went, not publicly, but as it were, in secret. The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, Where is he? And there was considerable complaining about him among the crowds. While some were saying, He is a good man. Others were saying, No, he is deceiving the crowd. Yet no one would speak openly about him for fear of the Jews. About the middle of the festival, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews were astonished at it, saying, How does this man have such learning when he's never been taught? Then Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Anyone who resolves to do the will of God will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own. Those who speak on their own seek their own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true." And there is nothing false in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you looking for an opportunity to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus answered them, I performed one work and all of you are astonished. Moses gave you circumcision. It is, of course, not Moses, but from the patriarchs. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath in order that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because I healed a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Now, some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is not this the man whom they're trying to kill? And here he is speaking openly, but they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Messiah? Yet we know where this man is from. But when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he was teaching in the temple, You know me and you know where I am from. I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. And you do not know him. I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Then they tried to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many in the crowd believed in him and were saying, when the Messiah comes, he will do more signs than this man has done. Will you pray with me? God, we're just so grateful for your love and grace and for the privilege now of studying your holy word. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. There was a television show some time back that my family and I used to watch periodically. It was called Undercover Boss. Some of you may have seen it. It was a show where various CEOs of companies or, or industries or 
uh, organizations or maybe some other executive in the company would go undercover in their own place of business, their own work, their own organization. They would put on these disguises, and I'll confess to you, some of them were not very good disguises. I was thinking to myself watching the show, surely somebody can tell that's a wig and makeup, that's a fake beard. But anyway, they would put on these disguises and they would go into various places on various days. They would go into work with the people that work for them, with their employees. It was sometimes in a warehouse, sometimes in various different places, just to be able to see what do they really do well. Or where are the areas that they really need to work on some things where they need to make some real changes? And the theory would be that they could learn some things that they would never get to know if they came in as the CEO. Because when the CEO's there, everybody's on their best behavior, saying the right things, saying the company lines. But what happens when someone shows up incognito when someone shows up in a disguise, when someone shows up discreetly and no one knows who it is, what happens then? And of course, at the end of the show, there would be this big reveal where the people that they had worked with throughout the week or whatever time frame would come to the corporate headquarters and then meet the CEO of the company or whoever was undercover. And there would be this reveal, that was me the whole time. Part of the fun was looking at their faces as they were going back in their minds of that day thinking, what did I say? What did I do? Am I going to be fired? Well, it makes me wonder sometimes, what would it be like if Jesus came undercover in our lives? What would it be like if the undercover boss, Jesus the Christ, came to our churches or our homes and our lives and just observed what was going on without us realizing it was him. And we get some sense of a glimpse of that with John chapter 7, the scripture that we just read. It's not the easiest scripture to, to truly follow, but here's the gist. Jesus is up in Galilee, the northern part of Israel, up near the Sea of Galilee. And, and he's staying up there because there are some down in Jerusalem and Judea, the lower part of Israel, that are already wanting to kill him. Now why? We're only at chapter 7. How could someone already be looking to kill Jesus only by chapter 7? Well, it actually started back in chapter 5. So if you look back in your Bibles, you'll see the story where Jesus is near the pool of Bethsaida. Now, there's a man who had been paralyzed and he'd been lying by that pool for around 38 years. Picture that. 38 years, this paralyzed gentleman would go, he'd be placed beside the pool. Now, the belief of the time was that when the water would be stirred, that meant that an angel had touched the water. And if you could get to be the first one in the pool, then you could experience healing. Well, he's paralyzed. And so he'd been there for 38 years, never being the one to go into the pool. Jesus shows up. And he asked him what I think is a brilliant question, but that's a sermon for another day when he said, do you want to be made well? And after all, you've been here for 38 years. Not everybody really wants to be made well. And, 
and the man's share with Jesus. Well, I just don't have anybody who'll put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And so Jesus then says, stand up, take your mat and walk. Now, this man who had been paralyzed for 38 years stands up. Now picture this, for 38 years, that meant a lot of people knew this guy. A lot of people knew that's the paralyzed guy. That poor guy has been here. Every time I've come by, he's been here. He stands up and takes up his mat and he begins to walk. You would think that there would be one more celebration. Look what God is doing. He didn't even touch the water. And somehow this man told him to stand up. Wonder if that's the Messiah. That could be the Messiah. You would have thought it would have been an amazing celebration, incredible miracles going on. And instead, we have a problem. It's amazing to think about it, but there was a problem. And what was the problem? Well, the man is carrying his mat and it's the Sabbath. The Sabbath. That day that was set aside for the worship of God, the day that was set aside to rest, and now this man has the audacity to get up and carrying his mat. Can you believe that? 38 years of paralyzed, and the problem is he's working on the Sabbath. And the second problem is Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. That meant Jesus was working too. And now the people are frustrated that Jesus was doing these kind of miracles on the Sabbath. Now again, not, wow, God is doing some incredible things. Look how God is intervening. How dare you? How dare you do this on the Sabbath? And if you look at chapter 5, verse 16, the scripture says, Therefore the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answers them and says, My father is still working and I also am working. And for this reason then, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but he was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. Well, that was chapter 5. We're now at chapter 7, the scripture we just read, and it's one of the high holy days of the Jewish faith. It was time for the festival of the booths, the festival of the tabernacles. And that was one of the top three pilgrimage festivals that would occur in Jerusalem. And what I mean is that thousands of people from all around would try to come to Jerusalem, the holy city, to come to the temple where the presence of God was believed to dwell and celebrate this high holy day. Now, the Festival of the Booths or the Tabernacles was an agricultural celebration. It was a harvest celebration, the harvesting of grapes, the harvesting of olives and other things. But it was also a reminder of the Exodus event, the journey through the wilderness. You can learn more about it in Leviticus chapter 23, beginning around verse 39. But during this time, the people would, would make these temporary shelters or booths, tabernacles, the sokuths, and there they would be reminded of how the ancestors lived in temporary shelters as they were going through the Exodus and how God had provided for them. It was a seven-day festival, seven days. Now, Jesus' brothers 
We hear more about them in John than any of the other Gospels. Jesus' brothers are seeing some of the things that, that Jesus is doing, and they're struggling to believe themselves. As a matter of fact, if you read the first part of the chapter, John says they really don't believe yet. His own family doesn't really believe yet who Jesus is. And so they start encouraging Jesus, hey, come with us to Jerusalem for the festival of the booths. Because that's going to be incredible. If you really are who you say that you are, if God's really working for you, you don't want to do this in secret. Man, go where the people are. There are going to be thousands of people there. Come. And it's just going to be impressive. Let everybody see what you can do, who you are. I mean, they, they're just thinking about this journey because all along the way, you'd have been meeting up with other people that were heading into Jerusalem. So there would have been a crowd on the way. You can even do some miracles on the way. You can do some teaching on the way. By the time we get to Jerusalem, we'll have a crowd of people around us. Well, what an entrance that'll be. Let's show them who you are. Jesus had already done several miracles. He had healed a Roman officer's son. Healed the man who had been beside the pool for 38 years, as we already shared. Fed the 5,000, walked on water. He had done miracles, but Jesus shares with his brothers, my time has not yet come. The time to really be revealed in Jerusalem, the time for everybody to really understand who I am, that's not yet. Now that will eventually be the cross and the resurrection, but it's not yet. And the, and the word that Jesus uses here is kairos as opposed to chronos. Chronos is chronological time, linear time. Kairos is where God intervenes, that season where God intervenes in our chronological time. It's not my time yet. So the brothers go on to the festival. But a little bit later, Jesus decides to go to the festival as well, but he comes in in secret, low-key, or undercover. He just wants to see what's going on, but he doesn't want to draw attention to himself. He wants to hear what are the people saying. And in verse 14, we learn that Jesus comes in the middle of the festival. Remember, I shared it was seven days. So coming in the middle would be when the biggest crowd was there. Those who came for the beginning would still be there. Those who were coming in for the, for the latter part of the festival would be there. That's when the most people are there. And as Jesus gets there, he overhears people talking. He's a good man. No, I don't think so. He is deceiving the people. I mean, this guy, talk about a snake oil salesman. That's what this guy is. It's absolutely incredible. And Jesus is hearing the people talk about him. And then Jesus goes to the temple. The temple is that high, holy, sacred space. And he goes to the temple and there he begins to teach. And they are absolutely amazed. How in the world is this man teaching with such wisdom and with such authority? I mean, he is teaching as one who has had all this training, but we know he's never been taught. You might remember the Apostle Paul was trained by the Rabbi Gamaliel, who was a master teacher. Well, Jesus hadn't been brought up with one of those master rabbis teaching him. How in the world can this man know this? And Jesus sees the opportunity and says, well, this is straight from God. This is from the one who sent me. This is not taught from some other human being. 
But God is revealing these things to you. And the people are just absolutely amazed and infuriated. Jesus sees what's going on and he goes, you know, Moses gave you all the law, but none of you want to follow it. And they go, how dare you? How, how would you say that we're not trying to follow the law? And Jesus said, well, one of the ways is there's a command like thou shalt not murder. And yet you're trying to kill me. Well, then they try to play that off. You are crazy. You've got a demon. Who's trying to kill you? Nobody's trying to kill you. And Jesus continues the conversation. He said, you know, Moses gave you circumcision, although it was really the patriarchs when God made the covenant with Abraham. But Moses in the law told you that on the eighth day, you are to circumcise a child as being part of the covenant community. Leviticus 12, verse 3. And you're also not to work on the Sabbath. So what happens when the eighth day, the time of circumcision, occurs on the Sabbath? Well, you do the circumcision. Because the law said you still can do the circumcision and that doesn't violate Sabbath. It's part of the covenant. And Jesus said, now you do that and that's no problem. I heal a man's body on the Sabbath and you're ready to kill me. How can you do that? How, how can you say that? Your focus is so messed up. You, you, what's your focused on? Your agendas. You're missing what God is doing right in front of you. You can't even see the forest for the trees. And people then respond in various ways, we're told. Some were questioning Others were believing. Some hated him. And they started asking, is this really the Messiah? I mean, he's from Nazareth. This is Joseph and Mary's boy. Would we know where the Messiah comes from? It raises all kinds of questions. It's amazing what Jesus learned when the people didn't know it was him. And when he revealed himself... It was quite an encounter. That undercover ball show, if Jesus showed up secretly in our lives, what would he overhear us saying? I mean, he heard the crowds. He's a good man. Actually, he's a snake oil salesman. What would he hear us saying? He's a good man. Is he the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God? That's what Peter tells us. And Jesus actually blessed him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. It's on that faith I'll build a church that even the gates of hell will not prevail against. What would Jesus overhear us saying? He's just a good teacher. He's just somebody to follow. He's an example for us. That's what many of the people said. It's one of the things that you often hear today. But yet the profession is that, no, actually you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Jesus reveals this comes straight from God, I and the Father are one, they're ready to, they're ready to kill him. What would Jesus overhear us saying? If he came into our sanctuaries, if he came into our temple, the place where we worship God, that sacred space... Would he hear us proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? Or would he hear us teaching some kind of other agendas, our agendas, that we just put a little, you know, gospel on it, a little God talk over it? What would Jesus say if he came in today and overheard 
us. I've often wondered if someone announced, look, Jesus himself is coming in the door. Would I be thrilled? Would we be thrilled? Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Or would we panic a little bit? Oh my, Jesus is here. Oh no. What happens when Jesus is among us? Have we lost our focus? These were the religious leaders that had so lost their focus, they can't even see that the miracle has occurred, that God has done this incredible thing, and God is doing this incredible thing through Jesus, and yet they're so caught up, He did it on the Sabbath. How dare He? Have we lost our sense of priorities, our sense of understanding our common sense to some degree, to be able to see what God is doing. Are we missing miracles and God working in our lives today and in our world today because we're so focused on legalisms and agendas that we may have? And even in our homes, what would Jesus do if we looked up one day and Jesus was undercover in our own homes. And then he does the reveal. It's interesting to hear what Jesus overheard. What would he overhear? To see what Jesus saw, what would he see today? And would he be pleased with the church, with us, with our lives, with our world? At the reveal at the end of the show of Undercover Boss, there's always that moment when, you know, the reality hits, this is what's going on, and, and, and some are dealt with going, you know what, you just, I just don't think this is the place for you. This, it's just not part of our culture, the way you're acting, it's not part of our DNA. And then there are others that are just elevated, you are absolutely incredible, you're the picture of, of what we're looking for. Others are helped somewhere in between. The reveal can be interesting. There's another time Jesus shares with us a little bit about a reveal. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And the scripture actually says at verse 31, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit down on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Put the sheep at his right hand, goats at his left. And how will he make the determination? Well, Jesus shared, well, for example, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and in prison, you visited and took care of me. And those that he elevated and blessed like that, they're going, Lord, when in the world did we see you like that? I don't remember seeing you. When did we see you when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? When did we see you naked? When did we see you? When did we visit you in prison or when you were sick? And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, verse 40, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you actually did it to me. Undercover, you did it to me. And, and to those that he sets aside, they're asking, when was it that we saw you hungry and didn't give you any food? When, when was it that we saw you thirsty and we didn't give you something to drink or a stranger and we didn't welcome you or naked and we didn't help clothe you? And when were you sick and in prison? I don't remember any of that. When did that happen? And Jesus said, well, actually, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Yeah, I would argue that Jesus is undercover all the time. 
That, that Jesus is constantly in our presence, listening to what we have to say about him, who he is, and seeing, are we focused on his kingdom or ours? His agenda or ours? At the end of the show, I love it when those who just seem to be really trying to do their best, just, just trying to be the best people that they can be, that God had called them to be, to, to do the right thing, to help other people out when they get lifted up. I, I wonder if Jesus were undercover and reveals himself to us, what would he say to us? See, God is doing miracles right in our midst every day. God is working on his kingdom right in front of us every day. I sure hope to be like those who see what God is doing and celebrating the Christ. Those who believe and not like those who are so focused on their own thing that they miss what God is doing. Can you see what God is doing? Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for who you are. And God, it's amazing when we see Jesus at work, how so many people missed it. Because they were focused on other things. How dare you carry a mat? He's a snake oil salesman. How in the world can he teach like that? God, sometimes we get out of focus. The things that we are looking at and that preoccupy us are not the things that you would have us to be focusing on or spending our time with or where our hearts would be. So God, we just pray that you would help us to be the people that you're calling us to be and to realize you are always with us. And God, when the reveal comes and you show yourself fully before us, we pray that you might say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. Help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. All in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.